Somebody ought to rear back right now and just shout in this place that he did it. Come on, somebody shout, he did it. Come on, somebody shout, he did it. Hallelujah. There's an old song we used to sing that we used to declare, you don't know like I know what he's done for me. Ain't nobody can tell what he's done for you uh, like you can this morning. Uh, I need you to turn around to three or four people standing next to you and just declare that he did it. Uh, come on, tell him he did it. Uh, he did it. Tell somebody else, look at me. Uh, you're looking at a miracle right now. Uh, should have been dead and sleeping in my grave but one day Jesus did it I don't know how he did it but he did it I don't know why he did it but he did it somebody one more time put your hands together and give God a great praise in this house come on give God a great praise in this place Woo! High five about eight people on the way to your seat this morning and remind them he did it. 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 Woo! Hallelujah. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, is there anybody that's glad you're in the sanctuary of the Almighty God today? Amen. I want to take just a moment to say what a privilege and an honor it is this morning to have all of our guests here with us in the house of the Lord. Rock Church, would you help me open up your mouth, put your hands together, and make some noise for all of our guests that are here. Come on, we could do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests that are here this morning. We are so delighted that you took time out of your day to come and worship with us. And if today is your first time to be at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation card that looks a little bit like what's on the screen behind me. And if you're here for the first time and you didn't receive one, if you would just slip your hand up in the air, one of our staff will bring one right to you. But this is an invitation to just join us briefly Right after the service in our VIP room, we've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation uh, of having you here in the house of the Lord with us. Amen, somebody? Amen. And we, we have a little policy around here that uh, is really important to us, and I know that uh, it's usually not good manners to, uh, to push your policies on brand new guests but this is a really important policy we want you to know about. And we have a policy here that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just part of the family. Amen, Rock Church? That's our policy. Would you help me turn around 360 degrees and make contact with everybody around you and just tell them welcome home this morning. Come on, tell them welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Welcome home, welcome home. Amen. We have been in the middle of God doing some extraordinary things here at the Rock Church. Has anybody been blessed this week by everything that God has been doing around this place? I'm 
telling you, we have experienced some incredible things, and uh, the best is yet to come. Anybody believe that this morning? Tell your neighbor, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. My best miracle, my greatest miracles are still in front of me. Anybody believe that? My biggest blessings are still in front of me. Oh, I'm believing God for, for great things, and there's a spirit of expectation in this house. And uh, we are so delighted this morning to have with us all the way from Elk Grove, California, no stranger to this house. What a privilege it is to have Bishop Wilson in the house of the Lord with us this morning. Come on, would you help me give him a great big welcome back this morning? Amen. Amen. And uh, we got to looking at the calendar, and Bishop Wilson was here six years ago to the day tomorrow. Six years ago to the day tomorrow. And uh, when he came, we were having church in a little storefront. It's just six years ago uh, over on Fowler Street. How, how, many, how many Fowlerers are in the building? <laughs> and uh, he came, and the Lord was doing such a mighty work. And how many of you remember that we're here, that God used him, and as he addressed the church, there were some words of prophecy that he began to speak over the church. And I'm telling you, every single word that he prophesied has come to pass in this house. In six years, every word that he prophesied. Amen. One of the things that he prophesied would be was the global uh, reach of this house, the international reach of this house. And it wasn't but a few months after you were here, Bishop, that we started our first international work in the country of Haiti. And uh, amen. I think we ought to give God praise for that. Now that church is running several hundred people, and we have several churches in the country of Haiti. Amen. And God is... Uh, recently opened some great doors in the country of Africa, uh, the continent of Africa and the country of Uganda. Amen. I mentioned to this church, I think it was Tuesday night, that here in the next uh, couple of months, we will be starting the Rock Church of Uganda. Anybody excited about that? And uh, so many great things happen. As a matter of fact, I wanted to share something briefly with you. We just started, uh, or it's about to start, a brand new podcast from our uh, churches in Haiti. And I believe it's going to go live next week on their YouTube channel and all of the social media platforms. But I thought you all might want to see a little sneak peek of what it looks like, the podcast that they are going to be using to reach uh, all over that country. Uh, I've got just a minute of it right here for you to take a peek at.
qui nous là avec nous en soi. Non, moi c'est pas le Sénat, moi c'est pas le Lévis Roche là, qui est situé à Cassia. Et je dis à moi qu'il y a un servant de Dieu qui est là avec nous, qui c'est Sœur Alexa Brouillère. Et Sœur Alexa, c'est un monde qui remet la parole de Dieu en pile. Anybody excited about revival in Haiti? Would you stand to your feet with me all over this house and let's give God a great big praise for the presence of the Lord that we feel in this house. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. Somebody open up your mouth and give God a shout of praise in this house today. Woo! Come on, if you came with expectancy in your spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Remain standing with me, if you would, as we prepare for the entrance of the word of the Lord into this house. Uh, I've shared this with this church uh, previously, but for those who are new here, I want to give you a little bit of context. Uh, in my life, there is no voice that has been greater than that of my pastor, Bishop Elder. Amen. And there's a special place in my life uh, that really is on a level that nobody else can even uh, stand on with him. And I feel like the little woman who built the room in her, in her house for the man of God. I, I built a place in my life for the man of God. And uh, his, his influence, his voice is like none other. None, none is comparable. But outside of the voice of my pastor, Bishop Elder. There is perhaps no one's voice who has been more influential or life-changing in my life than that of Bishop Wilson. And almost as early as I can remember living for God, within the first few months of living for God, I was exposed to the ministry Bishop Wilson, he visited our local church there in Colorado when I was just a 14-year-old young man. And for the very first time, that uh, supernatural connectivity took place. Just a couple of years later, I was at a youth camp, and Bishop Wilson was the camp speaker. And one night, I think it was the opening night, he preached a message uh, to date I have never been in a church, single church service anywhere where there was as strong of a spirit of conviction as there was in that house that day. He preached a message called the way of the transgressor is hard. And when he finished preaching, nobody got out of their seats and walked to the altar. They slid and fell out of their seats and crawled to the altar. And uh, I'll never forget that service. And as the years went on and I look back at many landmark moments in church services where I can point back to and say that was the moment, that was the time, that was the place that God spoke, God did something. In so many of those cases, it was Bishop Wilson that was ministering the word of the Lord in those services. Time would fail me tonight to start naming the sermons and the, those moments in time. 
And uh, the Lord would have it by divine providence that as the years would pass by, and my, my pastor, uh, his pastor passed away, and Bishop Wilson uh, stepped in that role as the pastor of my pastor. <laughs> so not only is my bishop my spiritual father in the gospel, but Bishop Wilson, I guess, would be my spiritual grandfather in the gospel. <laughs> and over the years, I have been so privileged by God to spend quite a bit of time with Bishop Wilson uh, traveling the world together. I've been on trips around the world with Bishop Wilson and have had the privilege of preaching there at the Rock Church in Elk Grove, California many, many times. And I've had the privilege of preaching conferences uh, alongside Bishop Wilson. And uh, there is nobody next to my, my own pastor and bishop that I look up to any more than the man we have before us today. Amen. <laughs> Bishop, I want you to know how much I absolutely love you. And I appreciate you, sir. This church's very namesake was adopted from the Rock Church in Elk Grove, California. So this, this, is, a, this is a connected church. Bishop, we came this morning with expectation in our spirit. We want you to follow the Holy Ghost. We're ready for whatever God has given you. If you're ready and hungry this morning for the word of the Lord, one more time, would you put your hands together and give God a great praise as Bishop Wilson comes to deliver the word to us. Oh, let's praise him one more time. Would you lift your heart, your hands, your voice? Oh, yes. You're worthy, Jesus, of all of it. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And um, man, what a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be here this morning in Fort Myers. All of you are not from Fort Myers. Some of you drove by half a dozen churches to get to the rock. Hallelujah. Amen. Because you knew that all churches are not equal. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And we all want where Jesus is moving. Amen. Praise God. I want to say along with Pastor... Um, Pastor Williams, that if if uh, if this is your first time, uh, or if it's been six years since you've been here, uh, then then welcome and don't feel alone because uh, it's you and me. Amen. And uh, I'm eager when I get through preaching to check those cookies out. Six years, you ought to be considered uh, qualified to go back to the VIP room. So, uh, so if you're here today and this is your first time, we'll uh, come on back there. We want to meet you and we'll share together. Praise God. Amen. Uh, 
we thank God for Pastor and his wife, Sister Barbara Williams. If you haven't met her, she is a... That, that's our little attempt to express what we think about her, but really, we, if we all had the capacity, it'd be 10 times that big. We're just doing the best we can. Amen. And, um, and Isaac and Judah, God bless them. Um, of course, if you've known their dad since he was a boy, then you've known them since they were babies. And uh, Judah wasn't much more than a baby, maybe eight, nine years old when he was, I walked in one day to preach in, I think, Colorado, and he was there in his nice little nine-year-old suit. I said, man, you look nice today. He said, dressing for my ladies. <laughs> Praise God. So, Judah's harem. Hallelujah. So we love, we love Isaac and Judah and we love you in this church. My, my, my. It's in six, in six years. We have moved from a crammed up little storefront where all of you could not possibly have got in the door and yet the Holy Ghost was there and the place was just heaving, breathing, pulsing and now here we are today on Main Street or close to it. We're down here with the big shots. God's blessing us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But you ain't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah. Woo! We're on our way. And so uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that, that I want to preach. There's, there's things that I just love to preach from the Word of God. And, <clears throat> and they're things that are valuable to all of us, of course, because the Word of God, John 6, 63 says, is, he said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And so the Word of God is like nutrition. I can look at some of you and tell you like to eat. Well, that's what we do when we come to church. We eat. Amen. At the table of the Lord. Man. But I feel like God spoke to me uh, uh, in a very real and uh, out of the ordinary way. Uh, I prayed and thought, walked the floor and sought God, said, God, I think you know whether you're sure or not, but my flesh wants to say, are you sure? And uh, so I feel like I've heard a word from the Lord for us today. And I want to preach to you for a little while, or preach, that would be something between teach and preach, on the subject of the anatomy of a world-class apostolic church. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so, uh, we're going to do that by the help of the Lord. And uh, if you're a guest here today, I would just say that the anatomy of a world-class apostolic church may have a few distinctions from what you would think of the anatomy of a world-class church. An apostolic world-class church is a different breed. Amen. Uh, because of its, uh, its uh, spiritual contextualization. It's good to see some of you students here today. Amen. We have students here today at Wilson University, and uh, we are just excited about that. And uh, you are taking classes online, and I hope that you are enjoying them. But whether you are not, stay in them. Uh, you've got to learn somewhere. You're certainly not going to be a world-class anything if you don't know anything. Amen. And so... Uh, <clears throat> it's good to be with you today. I hope, hope all of you become a student in Jesus' name. Praise God. Well, if you'd stand with me again, let me read. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you be seated real quick, but I want to read one scripture to you. And it's found in Revelation chapter 2. I don't even need to read the whole verse. I just want to read the first part of it. Revelation chapter 2, with Revelation, last book of the Bible. But the Bible's all connected together. If you tap something in Revelation, you'll feel something wiggle in Genesis. And if you tap something in Genesis, if you put your hand on the book of Revelation, you'll feel something thumping over in Revelation because it's all connected together. Amen. And I want to read in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, the first part of that verse says, He, and that includes she, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And uh, I want to use that as the beginning of a, a discussion today of the anatomy of a world-class apostolic church because I think, and I'm going to confess that I usually do not do this because I don't think a lot of churches are near enough to even see over the farthest mountain what it would be like to be a world-class apostolic church. So you might as well preach a bunch of other stuff to get them closer to where they can see over the horizon before you ever even get to this stuff. So uh, this is not a usual approach today, but I feel like this church has that potential and of course, and of course with potential always goes responsibility. And so together we want to reach out to become everything that we can 
for the sake of our Lord and for the sake of our world. Amen. Would you pray with me one more time? God, touch us in the next little bit. Let the Holy Ghost rest upon your word, rest upon our mouth to speak and our ears to hear and our heart to us. Oh, God, we believe you for this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. This sentence that I read to you, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, is found seven times in the Bible. And all seven of those times are found in chapter 2 or chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. They are found uh, in 2.7 that I read from. It's found again in 2.11 and 2.17 and 2.29. And then it's found in 3.6 and 3.13 and 3.22. And it's not an accident that that adds up to this was said seven times because it is talking to seven local churches. Now, when we talk about the seven churches of Revelation, we're not talking about the Baptists, the Methodists, the Catholics, Pentecostals, that's not what the seven churches are. The seven churches in the book of Revelation were local churches akin to what we are here today. And these, uh, these seven churches were standalone local churches, it names the cities that they were in. And I have been to those cities and it's, uh, it's the most uh, impacting trip I have ever taken. Uh, to go there and uh, some of the ruins in these places have been uh, dug up and reassembled and you can walk down the street where John walked down and you can uh, in Ephesus, you can see where uh, the crowd gathered to uh, kill the Apostle Paul. You can see where he worked, where the tent makers worked. And you can see where the boats used to come in from the sea up to the city. But now uh, that's about a mile away now or a half mile because that's all filled in with mud and dirt and so forth over the last 2,000 years. But you can go to these places and you can actually uh, visit the cities. Some of them are so spectacular, it's hard to describe because I don't know of any city in America that's built on such uh, uh, incredible, dramatic mountains looking down over valleys that are unbelievable. All of these are now in what you would call Turkey. Uh, <clears throat> and I suppose you can get in there now. It's, sometimes it's uh, Turkey's government's kind of uh, unstable and uncertain, I should say, and so sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But anyway, uh, be that as it may, these churches were there, and uh, some of these cities that they were in were without any question the world-class cities of their day. When you go to where the Church of Philadelphia was, when you go uh, to where the church of Laodicea was. These are in beautiful areas, and some of them had libraries that had 
thousands of books in them. If I recall right, the Church of Philadelphia um, is the place where the first books in the world were ever made, and they were made by the Christians. So if, there, if, you, if you are glad to have good books, well, you can think the Christians are the ones that created books and, and instead of scrolls. And so all of there's much more of those kind of things that we could talk about. But uh, <clears throat> these are... These seven churches all had this statement made to them that he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And um, the last four of those seven times that that's said, those are standalone statements. They're not part of, a, uh, of something else in a verse. Uh, but the first three are given to hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. There are promises given and uh, of, of positive things in one of them he says to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God another one he says he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death another one he talks about uh, that they will eat of the hidden manna and all of these things are part of what Jesus himself is saying to these seven local churches um, which emphasizes the importance in the mind of God of a local church. Oftentimes people think about organizations or denominations or other things, other institutions, uh, uh, human institutions, political or otherwise, that are important in our world and have uh, high importance to the people of the world. But when you look in the Bible, you will find, and this is where we find our level of importance that we uh, give to things. When you look in the Bible, you find that the local church is in God's mind. There is nothing in Fort Myers that is more important to God than the Rock Church. <laughs> nothing. There is, uh, there's nothing going on. Uh, there's nothing that has the power uh, to what you would call, if we're in the classroom, of causal force to create change that is more important than the church. God in heaven is not looking down on anything in Fort Myers or anything in Florida that is more important than apostolic local churches that are doing the will of God and preaching the truth. And so, <clears throat> in fact, if you read a little further you, back, you will find that uh, a picture there, Jesus is pictured after the resurrection. If you want to know what Jesus looked like after the resurrection, uh, Revelation chapter 1 gives you a picture of that. And uh, in fact, the book of Revelation is named Revelation because it's called in verse 1 of chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you get the revelation of Jesus Christ, you also get the revelation of how the world is going to end because it's Jesus Christ that's going to end the present order and introduce a new order. So when you get the revelation of Jesus Christ, you get the revelation of the end time. And so when you see him, uh, the Bible describes what he looks like and it says, and in his right hand, 
are the seven stars. And in his right hand are the seven churches, which are the ones that we are preaching about this morning. Those seven churches are in his right hand. When you think about that, the right hand in the Bible is used as the medium through whom God does his work in the earth. The right hand is how is what you is what the Bible gives us all the way back from Moses on as God's right hand is how he is providing for uh, whatever is needed in the world. And so the churches are in his right hand. They are that which is the medium through which God is doing his work in the world. This is why it would be a travesty for Pastor Williams to step down from his position of pastor of the Rock Church in order perhaps to become the senator from the state of Florida in the United States Senate. That would not be a step up for Pastor Williams. I'm not negating the importance of that office. I'm just saying that would be a step down for Pastor Williams. Because the church, the, the church, the, the kingdom of God is the core primary thing in the world today. And everything else shall go down, but the church shall go up. Oh, let's praise him again. Amen. And so when, when we're here today, we're here in God's business. When we're here today, we're here doing the things that are most important to be done in the entire earth. We're here doing heavy business. That's why it's important for you to be faithful to church because that's the place that has the answers for all of the entire world. That's the place where we find meaning and purpose as well as salvation. If you haven't been faithful to church, you need to get your act together. And you need to say every time the doors open, I'm going to be there. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to accept responsibility. I'm going to be faithful. Amen. And so when you look at this, you see that the church is dealing with universal issues. Now, as I mentioned, every local church is not equal. So God is watching local churches. When you read what he said to these seven local churches, what God says to them is not equal. And uh, there are different things going on. And I would just pause here to say that you can go to a, a number of churches that would be truth-proclaiming churches in this county. And uh, in all of them, it would be possible to be saved and stay saved, I suppose. But that doesn't mean that they're all equal. There is layer, it's like this book, each page is a new layer. There's layers after layer after layer of revelation and of empowerment and of more abundant life that is found in the word of God. And none of us have tapped into all of it. None of us have mined it all. But if you can, you can tell in just a few seconds when you walk into a place, 
and you say, man, there's some kind of glory that's been let loose in this place. There's some kind of wonder that's let loose in this place. Amen. And you may not even know what it is, but you know because humans react to that. Amen. Because humans have life, and that is God's life that is coming in there. And they're saying, I never had life on this level before. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I never get tempted to backslide and go back to the world. You that are out there right now say, well, I can't live for God because I'm having so much fun in the world. No, no, no. Look, look, we used to live at your address. We used to live like you live. We know what your fun is. But now we're over here. There's a reason we're over here. We're over here because our lives have been transformed. We got a new address, and you can come live in this new subdivision. Woo, come on, let's clap our hands and praise him again. Are you glad you're saved this morning? Are you glad you know who Jesus is this morning? Oh, yes. Amen. But God's watching local churches and God's watching the Rock Church in Fort Myers. And God's got something to say to you today. So, when we look at this, we got to ask the question, what are God's hopes and expectations for TRC of Fort Myers? What's the goals? What's the aspirations? You've come this far by faith, and you are enjoying the blessings of revival. Look, if you're here and you, you don't know where to go to church, you, you need to come to the Rock Church. The reason is because the Rock Church has tapped into that, that stream of revival that many churches never see in their whole existence uh, and go out of business never knowing what revival is. But the Rock Church has tapped into it. You can feel it. You can sense it. It's here. You know, sometimes we get pretty loud, but you just got to put up with that because you're going to get revival if you come to this place. And when you get revival, you'll know why we're so loud. To be in a church where there's revival is, is of inestimable value and there's no way to tell how much that means to you. Amen. But we, like the seven churches in Revelation, we can... We can see more than where we are just presently at. And so we have to ask our God, uh, ourselves, what does God want it to become? And how can we become what God sees for it to become? And how do we even know what we're supposed to become? So I want to answer that right here. One thing you can trust, you will get the knowledge of what you are supposed to be, you will see it not in some secular or organizational leadership book, but you will see it in the spirit because God has a vision for the Rock Church of Fort Meyer. Let me tell you about that vision. That vision is he sees Fort Meyer, TRC, 
at its optimum perfection. He sees it the way it is in his mind from which everything that comes is perfect. Whatever flaws there are, that's not how God allows himself to see it. He sees it in its infinite ideality. He sees it in its glory. He sees it as a local church that has impacted and continues to impact Fort Myer and this county and moving out now into the state and beyond. But he sees that on a level that we do not yet see and that we have not yet attained. He sees a Fort Myer TRC that is beyond what any apostolic church in America has accomplished because even the best ones are all looking at that horizon and seeing that ideality and trying to close the gap between where we are and what God has for us. But a lot of people never get in the spirit to see that vision for their church. They've got their own vision of what they see. And they've locked into it so strong that you can't hardly knock them out of it. And they become paralyzed in their pitiful vision of what their church ought to be. And so here they are, and they're still trotting along, barely moving. Services are dead. No supernatural manifestation. There's no miracle bigger than people getting the Holy Ghost. Don't ever forget that. When you got people getting the Holy Ghost, you got the supernatural going on. And, and, and they, they don't see any of that. They are looking. You can't look through your eyes. You have to get the vision that the Spirit has of you in TRC, Fort Myers, and of TRC as a unified body of Christ. You have to get that vision that God has for this church. And I can just tell you, I got a glimpse of it over the mountain in prayer. And I'm going to tell you, my God, have mercy, the power, the future, the possibilities. What's going to happen with this church if you stay here and keep walking with God and be faithful to the vision? It's beyond anything we've seen yet by a million miles. But you have to see it through God's eyes. And you have to see everybody in the church through God's eyes to get to the next level. See, that's a big deal. People for years have said, how does, how does, how does Brother Wilson get those people who were nothing to become such powerful people? Is this made to be walked down or jumped off of? All right, one, two, three, four, five. But you say, well, you know, I would, but, but, but Brother Wilson, the Rock Church of Fort Myers is not going to get to where you're thinking it ought to get because I know sister so-and-so, I know how she is. I know brother so-and-so, I, I know how he is. Yeah, old brother, what's your name? Old brother John, he likes to stand up there just because he wants attention. He ain't up there worshiping God. I know John. 
I mean, I've never even met John, but you know. Well, I mean, maybe I've met you. I don't know. Pretty good, pretty good looking guy. But you're saying, yeah, but Brother Wilson, we live here. We know John. I'm just making this up, okay? My God, don't get all freaked out. And so, you look at John and you say, well, yeah, but John, he, uh, I don't know. I, I, I won't even tell you what I know about him, Brother Wilson, but yeah, no, no, not John. And then you go over here, what's your name? Aniah. So somebody says, boy, this church could really be something, but Aniah, you know. We know Anaya. Okay? And so, but here's what you're doing when you do that. Even if it was true, and it's not true of those two, those are two of the best saints in the church right there. But even if it was true, you're, you're messed up. Now, let me tell you the secret. We've got people, it's like, I've got a boy in our church who came when he was 15 or 16 years old. He got the Holy Ghost. He didn't, I don't even know if he knows who his dad was. His mom was, things get you in trouble these days. And, uh, and uh, he, he, he was like homeless. He came, he got the Holy Ghost. He just started listening to the preacher. And he was faithful to church. And he started praying. This kid, nobody even noticed him. There was nothing about him that you would say, this is an outstanding person. So I was talking to him this uh, four or five days ago before I left home. And I said, well, well, tell me, what? how much is your company going to make this year? He said, well, this year we're going to make about $60 million. He said, next year we'll make over $100 million. He said, But, oh, well, he's nobody. See, you can think you're somebody, but you don't know who that other person is because you don't see him the way God sees him. And so, and so I, I, I never figured this out for years. I, I promise you I'm being open with you. Uh, I never figured this out, Pastor, for years. How it was that people in our church just became such great people. And, and I mean, it wasn't any, I mean, I didn't have any magic. It wasn't like I was doing some kind of magic. I finally figured it out. And the way I figured it out one day was when somebody criticized one of the good men in the church and said, he's got a rotten personality. And it hurt my feelings. It wasn't, it wasn't about me. It was about a man in the church. And I'd invested a lot of time in that man. He said, he's got a rotten personality. And it made me mad. Righteously indignant. And I got to thinking about it. And after a while I thought, you know, really they're right. He has a horrible personality. So I tried to figure out why I never, why that never dawned on me. It's because, here's the secret, if you don't get anything else I say today, you need to be kicked if you don't get this. <laughs> here's the secret, 
is that I was full of the Holy Ghost. And I was seeing them in their ideality. I was seeing them the way God saw them in their perfection. Because when you see people through the eyes of the Holy Ghost, you don't see all their imperfections. You see them as they're going to be. You see them as God they already are in the mind of God. You see them moving in that direction. And you, to you it never dawns on you that they're not already there. Oh, my God. Did anybody get that? And so when I see you, I see that Holy Ghost smile. I don't see whether you've been working or not. I just see that Holy Ghost smile. It just, there it is. It's just, it, and, and that Holy Ghost smile is electric. And I, think, and I think in my mind, that's what they are. That's what I see. That's what God's made them. That's how they are. Amen. So, God sees TRC, Fort Myer, in its perfection, in its infinite state. That's how God sees it. But unless you're in the Holy Ghost, that's not how you see it. Amen. God doesn't see four or five hundred people here today. God sees four or five thousand people here today. That's not just talk. That's not just me hyping you up. Let me tell you, the way that we got to where we are at the Rock Church in Elk Grove is when we were running 50. I preached to them like they were running 250. I talked to them like they were running. We didn't have but 25 people sometimes. And, 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 and the place was empty. So what am I going to do? Go crazy because I can't handle that. I can't handle that. So instead of handling that and saying, well, folks, there's only 25 of us here. No, no, no. I'd go to the pews where there weren't any people. That's all you folks on this row. Scoot down. I'm going to sit down by you for a minute. Let me talk to you. Let's say these two weren't even here, this brother and sister. And I'll talk to everybody on that row. Other people say we better call the mental institute. Brother Wilson's losing it. Amen. Say, we're glad you're here. And when we finally got a guest to come to church, when a guest walked in, I went crazy. I mean, I mean, because the church, when I got there, it was nine people. Uh, uh, the pastor falling into sin. He was packing heat and threatening with it. And, and he lied. And the church was going into foreclosure. And a little old dirty, ratty building. And who wanted to come there? But we started preaching. And when a guest came in, you're the guest. And I'm at the pulpit and I saw a guest. It was like, oh, my God. A living human being. And I'd go back and say, brother, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad. Oh, God, I'm so glad. Oh, God, I'm so glad. Oh, no. Man, we're so glad you're here. He probably wondered, what is this guy? Amen. But you see it like God sees it. It's not 50, it's 250. 
I want it's 250, it's not 250, it's 500. And when it's 500, it's really 100, it's really 2,000. And you just, you keep seeing what God sees. You're not making it up. You're not just speaking by what people say, blind faith. You see what God sees. You see its reach going to the whole world. And all of you that's here that say that's not going to happen, that's because you haven't seen it like God's seen it. You haven't gotten the Holy Ghost. You, you haven't said, God, let me see this thing the way you see it. You say, well, I don't know if our pastor's capable. You don't see him the way God sees him. God sees him as capable. I can just tell you that. You don't even have to look that up. You can just take my word for it. God sees him as capable. Because these are things you've got to have to make this work. And um, so that's my introduction. So I'm praying in my father-in-law's den just before I go to Sacramento. I had been in the northern part of the country where the polar bears come out and eat your babies if you don't swat them off. It was that cold anyway. And... uh, I'd had some ideas about a church, but I, so I took, I took this church, there was 94 the first Sunday, and it, at one time was a large church, but it had hit hard times. The old guy that built the church, who was a true man of God, had died, and people got to fighting. I didn't know all this when I took the church. I'd never been there. I'd only been in that state five days in my life. Didn't know except one preacher. Never preached anywhere except one church long ways from this one. And they called him, who was a leader, and said, hey, we don't have anybody to preach Sunday. Could, do you have one of your assistants? He said, man, all my assistants are preaching. I was sitting there. I was his evangelist, and so I just looked at him and said, you want me to go Sunday morning, if it's up to you, I'll be willing to go, and then we can come back Sunday night. So they said, well, I got an evangelist here that might come up Sunday. So anyway, to make the long story longer, uh, I went and preached. And it was like everything I touched turned to gold. And the people caught it. About 90 people. They caught it. The old man had actually groomed a young man to take that church. He and his wife were incredibly anointed and talented people, and then he got killed in a car wreck. So I was 27 years old. My wife was 26. We had two little babies. We went. Well, I didn't know that that church at one time had been a large church and it had split all the pieces over and over. It had split. And that those that were left there were fighting among themselves. So bad that there was fist fights. So bad that one group would be having church upstairs. The other group would be having a board meeting of their group downstairs. And then they would come up. This is literal. This is not exaggerating. And they would push the 
organist off the bench and say, get off. The real service is getting ready to start. And then they would push the guy out of the pulpit and say, the real service is getting ready to start now. Uh, it, it ended up there were fistfights. Uh, it ended up the sheriff got called over and over and over. This is all far I got there. I didn't know any of this. I was just 27 years old, just... And finally the sheriff got so mad, he said, all right, they called him and said, you've got to come, they're fighting. And, he, and the, the, the group that called, he said, okay, I'm coming. But if I ever get called again, you're the group I'm going to arrest because I'm sick of it. And I, I'm just going to arrest you because you're bothering me. That's how bad it got. They ran their cars into each other in the parking lot. It was a mess. And that was just days before I got there. I didn't know any of that. Just started preaching. But I didn't see any of that. And in those people who are good people, but when good people don't have a vision of the right things, they do bad things. You get bad by not seeing and walking in what you see of the right things. And so I just preached to them. Finally, I found out some of the stuff going on. God spoke to me and said, just preach. I said, God, if they come in here smoking cigars a foot long, if you tell me to preach, I'll preach anything. Until then, I'm just going to smile and have a good time and love everybody. Because that's not what I see. God seemed to agree to that bargain. And when I, I'd just preach. Finally, God would say, preach this. And I'd preach it. Some would get mad, some would get glad. But when you've seen over the hill, and when, you're, when he's your master, and not them. You gotta have a preacher that gets that. You gotta have a preacher that knows that you're not his master. Before I'd preach in a church like that that's telling me what to do and what to preach, I'd get me a peach crate and set it out on the corner of the street and put my Bible on it and preach. And I've done it before because I don't belong to nobody. But that's one of the criteria you got to have to get that image of the church as God sees it. you got to have a preacher that don't preach for nobody but him. And, and, and if you don't like it, then you need to get your liker fixed. You need to say, I, I, need, I need to get straightened out. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm off. Don't get to thinking the preacher's off if he's preaching the truth. Don't get to thinking God's off. Don't get to thinking you know more than what God knows. I'm preaching to somebody. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you've got to understand the man has one master. You'll never be that world-class church uh, if he's tied to something besides Jesus uh, because the power of God will be stymied in him and he'll never become what he's supposed to become. I think you know that. I was doing a wedding in the nominal church and 
and, and, and they were just using the church for the wedding. It was our, some of our people, for some reason, they were using that church. And, and one of my assistants, there was a bench in the way when people were walking up to be in the wedding party about this long. And he moved the bench about two feet. The pastor was there. He was dressed in janitor clothes. This was a, this was a mainline denominal church. And he had on janitor shoes, which is okay. And janitor clothes, which is good. I've worn a lot worse. And, and, he, and he was a pastor. And when we moved that bench about 24 inches, you'd have thought he was going to have a heart attack. He said, no, 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 no. You can't move that bench. Put that bench back quick. I'm like, what's your problem? I mean, we moved the bench 24 inches. Are you, what, what, what's up? He said, you cannot move one thing in here without board approval. We'll just leave that right there. Hey, either you're the man of God or you're not the man of God. Don't talk to me about putting your soul in my hand if you can't put your, the destiny and the decision-making process of the church in my hand. You, you got it all backward, brother. You, before you become a world-class church, if you want to be a part of this church, which is becoming a world-class church, uh, then you got to realign your thinking to understand how a world-class church looks in the mind of God. Let me just read you a little scripture. This is the prophet, and he says, And by a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. That prophet they're talking about was Moses. You gotta have a Moses. You gotta have this is the first thing. If we're talking about being a world-class church, you gotta you gotta have a Moses. Now I can confess to you that there have been times earlier in the church, especially when I would get down on my knees and I would say, please, church, please follow me. Please don't start arguing. Please do it. It wasn't a it wasn't an ego deal. It was a deal where I knew what was right. Uh, and if I had to beg them, I'd beg them. I, but I wouldn't change, and I certainly would not forfeit my authority. But I'm not trying to be the bigot. I'm trying to be what you see when you see a world-class apostolic church through the mind of God. And to their credit, they said, yes, sir, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that group of people, which was nothing, is now a people, amen, that's having that worldwide impact. And this church is on its way. It's on its way. Believe me, it's on its way. That's a word from the Lord. It's on its way. We're not there, but it's on its way. Come on, let's clap our hands and praise him. I know I got to close. So, closing A. So I'm looking at your progress since I was here six years ago. And what a difference. I mean, I know this uh, pastor told me a little bit about the history of this sanctuary and this property. And I know that uh, somebody else built it. And I know that it's been here a few years. And I know that it needs a new roof, the whole complex and all that. Still a pretty nice place, though.
I checked out the pews. Pews are comfortable. Pulpit's comfortable. You know, things are clean. All looking good. Good congregation. Sunday morning, there's people out doing stuff, but they, I, I get all that up. I know. I know. But the church has moved into, the church moves into new territory as it grows. When it moves into new territory, it's like walking down a path. You walk into a, a new field. And all fields have something dominant in that field. And, and there's pollen. <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a field of wheat or something, there's pollen um, that gets on you. Walking into a new field has consequences. Walking into a new field introduces you to new power structures. And some of those power structures are dark. They are opposing power structures. That you, you didn't hit them on this level back here. But when you move to here, you hit them. And these are new levels of giants. Like the people of Israel, that's our example. They, they, they come to giants. They thought Egypt was bad, but they came to Emims and Zanzumims and sons of Anak and on and on. And when you come to those, there has to be a new adjustment of the equipment and the posture by which. And hopefully back here, through winning some of these little battles along the way, hopefully when you get to this point, your faith has enough confidence to look up at this gargantuan thing in front of you and say, well, you're big. We're not stopping here. I guess where it's over, we're going to have to fight. You're big. But the first thing I'm going to make sure is you don't steal my confidence that I can take this next step. And the second thing is, is that I don't let you discourage me because of the amount of energy it's going to take to overcome you. God is going to energize me and I'm not going to get lazy at this point and I'm not going to become self-satisfied. I'm not going to become self-satisfied at the level that I'm at. God's going to energize me. And so, I don't know what you got to do to get ready, but you might as well get ready. I'm not attacking you today, but I'm coming. Don't forget that. I'm going to be back. Right now, I've only come out here in my vision of the journey to the optimum. And in my vision of the journey, I'm now confronting you and talking to you. But in the world of reality, I'm still back here. But I now see what's coming. 
I will tell you now that I'm making preparation that when I get ready to take you on, you're going to know you're in a fight. And so we move from level to level in this. And there's some things that are terrifying. When I first got to that northern city, we had revival there. In six and a half years, we went from 90 to the last month we were there, we averaged 703. We had so many things happen. There's so much revival. This is the truth of this is the truth before God. That is between 40 and 50 years ago, and they are still talking about that revival. And there are scores of people in that city, in the church today, that got saved during that revival. It was, it was supernatural. But the, when I first walked in there, I was in there one day praying in the church by myself, and a guy walked in with his son who was a backslider, and one of the other men was with him, and they walked in, and the other brother said, hey, Brother Wilson, I want you to meet Johnny. Johnny's, what's his name's son? And Johnny was probably 20, and I was probably 27, 28, early on. I reached out to shake his hand. I said, hi, Johnny. You won't believe this. You'll think I'm exaggerating. He looked at me. And his face went. And his nose blew up to about that big. And as red as that exit sign. And he went back down. I'm like, I mean, you know, I'm like freaked out, bro. I mean, I'm just not used to Rudolph. I mean, but it was, it was a sign. The devil was saying, okay, you're coming. Just, just know that there's a lot of backsliders here. And if this is an example of the kind of terror you're going to face, and reaching them and getting them because I'm not giving them up. I'm talking to you, Fort Myers. How many churches, how many churches have stood at this juncture in, I know some of them, in Florida and never got past it to this day and was at this juncture for decades? But by God's grace, that's not us. I feel men in this place. I feel women in this place uh, that have got faith and have got courage. And they're not little, they're not little people that's going to fall apart at the first battle that's ready to suck it up and say, we're coming. In the name of our God, we're coming. Not with sword or spear, but in the name of the Lord. So I'm, 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 I'm close. So you've, you move into these new spheres of dominion which you've not known previously. You move through these fields of which you are unlearned. But the question becomes, how far will I move before I stop? How far will I move before I stop? How many times have I faced this way? How many times have I had people say, you're crazy? How many times have I had people say, the, the, the guy's, he's going down this time? Well, 
here we are. And God is still leading to the higher heights. And here's the exciting thing. There is a group, it's not a very big group, a few score across America that's got it. Uh, don't make me take time to say what it is. They've got it. Your pastor's one of them. Your pastor's wife's one of them. They've got it. They got a hold of it. And that group has now created a synergistic effect where it's not like it used to be where you're just alone and it's my God, am I losing my mind? There's nobody going here. What is wrong? But this is biblical and I've seen this in the Holy Ghost uh, and God has showed this to me and I'm not going to give it up. Uh, but now you look around and there's a synergistic effect which makes it much, much, much stronger, much, much, much better. Where there's a man here that's as strong as you are, that's got the revelation. And the parts, if they're the younger guys, the parts they don't know, they see the path of how to get them. And they are getting those and layer upon layer. I want to tell you, the man of God, the man of God, the man of God is a treasure. 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 I read something just the other day. Since I've been here, I read something where somebody was knocking the man of God because he, 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 he treated him harshly one time or another. And I wanted to get that person and say, yeah, but was he preaching when you got the Holy Ghost? Yeah, but how many years did you go to that church and he preached and kept you saved? Yeah, but how many things did he introduce to you in the Word of God that you never knew? Come on, folks, don't be a big fat baby. Get up and say, God, thank you for a man of God. Thank you for somebody that preaches the truth. Thank you for somebody that knows the way. Thank you for somebody that's not afraid. Oh, come on, let's clap our hands and love him. And, and I truly am closing, but I got to tell you what. Feel like God told me. This church is standing at the end of a trail, which is a good place to stand, but at the beginning of another trail. And taking dominion of strongholds in Florida or even in the South. First has to start with taking control and taking dominion of strongholds in Fort Myers which first has to start with the church taking control of strongholds in its own self so when we take care of the strongholds so how many thousands of hours have we spent with the people of God in the Rock Church in California talking to them praying with them teaching them instructing them correcting them loving them, helping them with their children, helping them become strong. And here's the point where you're at. Your revival, if you keep walking right, is going to continue and it excites me to no end. But your revival is taking you into another place. Your pastor and all of you together praying and with a spirit of discernment will know 
whether if it's possible to keep this place, you keep it or not. You will know. But in the meantime, if I've ever had God tell me anything, I believe he told me this for this very morning. And now, for this very moment, there is a new level. We came to this level in Sacramento. You know, there is a breaking of strongholds, for example, in a church for people to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, most of you don't know that because when you came here, that was already broken in this church. But for many years, even in Pentecostal apostolic churches, not many people got the Holy Ghost. I mean, they would pray and they would tarry and they would seek God forever for the Holy Ghost. When I was a young evangelist, it was that way. And one of the things that made me want to be evangelist is that's not right. They're not going to do that. They're going to get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to lay my hands on them and they're going to speak another tongue. However, that's a stronghold. And it had to be broken. And it was strong in Sacramento when we went there in that little old demonic place. It had to be broken. We broke it and then we started having revival like we're experiencing here. But we grew and then there was another stronghold that we had to break. And it was a revelation of our responsibility to raise money. Big money. How do you do that when we're just working people? How do you do that? Well, first you have to talk about it. First you have to look at that big monolithic giant and say, now I don't know how I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take you down. That's what the church has to say. And you have to say, we're going to take, we're going to take you down. For years, when you talked about money in the rock church, it got quiet. I'm talking about out California. I'm talking about the West Coast rock church. It got quiet. I mean, people would give, but it, they, 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 there was this, there was a stronghold. It's not there anymore. And I don't have time to preach all of this today. I wouldn't have a time to preach all this in 20 hours. But I'm going to tell you, your pastor will, will, will be preaching these things. Not because I'm telling him what to preach. He, I just know he's going to be preaching these things. You're going to get them. I'm here today like John the Baptist before Jesus comes. I'm here to tell you that that's the next stronghold you're going to break. Listen, folks, I know, that, I know that many of you don't have much, and we're all just doing the best we can, but all that aside, don't look at that. Look at what Jesus wants his church to be. And to do that, we're going to need millions. Hey. Don't let that upset you. Don't let that alarm you. Don't say, but yeah, but man, we'll never get there. We only got $56 a week coming in toward any kind of building fund. Anyway, don't worry about it. You don't worry about it. Don't, that's looking at it not through God's eyes. That's looking at it through our eyes. You got to quit doing that. 
You've got to stay focused on this is what God wants. This is a spiritual stronghold before me. But I can see over his head this is what God wants. And that's where I'm going to stay. And God's going to help us to figure this out. And he helped us to figure out in the Rock Church. Now, your pastor, and this is the last thing I intend to say, your pastor is a nice guy. He may be too nice. Because I'm a nice guy. And, I mean, I don't push wheelchairs off the cliff. I don't jab people's eyes out with ice picks. I don't kick old women as they're trying to walk across the street. I don't do any of that. So I ask a guy to come preach for us and say, look, we're going to take an offering. We're starting what I'm talking to you about. This is at the early of it. I said, we're starting this, and I want you to preach today. Then we're going to take an offering. He came. I said, you know, I'm not pushing the people. I'm just, I'm just giving an opportunity. I want them to see the vision. It's our responsibility to get there. So he came. I knew him well. He walked in that morning. I noticed he didn't want to talk to me. He sat in the chair through the service and hard to move. Finally, when I turned the pulpit to him, he walked straight to the pulpit. I'm not exaggerating. He said, I'm not glad to be here today. I don't want to be here. God's gave me a message. It's short. He said, as soon as I finish this preaching, I'm just being honest with you people. I love all of you, but I can't wait to get out of this town. And he said, I'm not going out to eat, Brother Wilson. When I get through preaching, I'm getting in my car, rental car, going straight back to the airport, and I'm going home. I don't want to be here. And he started preaching. And he said, God has told this church what it ought to be. But the problem with this church being what it ought to be is your pastor. Because he's too worried about you loving him and him loving you to tell you what God wants you to hear. And that is you're going to have to suck it up. And you're going to get a revelation of giving on a level you've never had before. And that revelation of giving is going to be the beginning of this church breaking into an arena it's never been. And he said, you cannot allow, and your pastor cannot allow, these intimate feelings and emotions to impact him, to keep from challenging you to do what God's told him you're supposed to do. And so I apologized and I repented and I said, folks, we're going to do it. And everybody out there said it'll never happen, not in California. But about $15 million later, we moved in. Don't say, no, I don't tell you how we could possibly do that. No, 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 hey, no, no, chill, chill, chill. We're not even talking about that. We're just looking at the vision of what God wants his church to be. 
He's going to have to help us figure out how to get there, but we can get there. And all those people that bought in, before that, most of the people in our church were just, they were laborers, they just really, at the highest, they were lower middle class or down below that, economically I'm talking about. But something happened. Something happened until today. You look at those people and you say, where did they get all of this? The blessings of God have overtaken them. They've got so much more than they've ever had before. And now in that one little offering, the last time I checked, that one little monthly offering was running about $65,000. That's not tithes. That's not offering. That's not missions. That's just people that just got on that one little offering 20 years ago. And by the time we started building out of that little offering, we started building about 2,000. There was, there was $5 million in that. And it just, uh, you say, but it wasn't how, I, I can't even tell you how it all got there. I, I mean, other than that, we didn't rob banks or anything. But, uh, uh, and, 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 and that giant that said, this will never happen, not in California. That giant, now we look at him, but we don't look like that. We look like this and say, we're walking over you. And we're not there yet. We're moving to the next level. Would you stand with me? We're all moving to the next level. But this church is hearing today. This is what's coming. Get ready for it. Don't freak out. It's going to have to be. If you're going to be the powerhouse in the state to bring people to the knowledge of God's glory, then we've got to go there together. And we're doing it. Amen. Would you come to the front quickly, quickly. Everybody, and this is no trick. This is a family church. We're not going to ask you for nothing. We're not taking an offering. I'm just telling you what is coming. Amen. Let's everybody come around the front. I don't know what time you get out, but it's only two thir- uh, one thirteen. so that's two and a half hours since church started. Two, and, two hours and 13 minutes since church started. That's pretty good. You probably go later than that anyway. Are you glad you're in the church? Are you glad you're here today in a church that knows what its vision is supposed to be in Florida? So much more, so much more. God. I want to thank you for these people, the most precious people in the world that's here before me today. I want to thank you for every one of them, God. People that love you. People that have got the Holy Ghost. People that have got faith and are believing you to do these things. I'm praying, God, that you put your imprimatur, your approval, your signature upon them. Lay your hand upon them. Touch these men and women, dear God, with revelation. Touch them, O God, with knowledge of how to do things that other people have never even thought of.
Come on, let's thank him in advance for what he's doing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're a guest here, come back tonight. We're having, what time we start? At 6 o'clock tonight. So go get something to eat, come back, and we're going to rock and roll. Amen. God bless you, Pastor. I want us to lift our hands all across this sanctuary. There is a powerful presence of God in this place right now. Come on. There's a divine moment of the Holy Ghost in this building right now. Somebody lift your hands. Somebody lift your hands and respond to what the Holy Ghost is doing at this very moment. Come on. God's calling some of us right now. God's calling some of us right now, right now, right now, right now. Come on, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Oh, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Come on, somebody right now. Come on, for your glory. Somebody right now. Come on, somebody right now. Come on, God has led us today. God has led us today to the edge of the river. God has led us today to the edge of the river. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're going over. Come on, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes. Lift your hands one more time in this place. I want you to hear me this morning. We're going to follow the Holy Ghost. We're not worried about the clock this morning. There, there, there are eternal things happening and transacting in the supernatural this morning. This is the year of the open door. And part of the potential of the open door is understanding the timing that when the door opens, you walk through it. Bishop, as you begin to preach, in the last 10, 15 minutes of your preaching, I felt a distinctive voice of God. First, I tried to shug it off as just 
me being exuberant and then the solemn weightiness of God's voice just and I said okay God I want you to just confirm it won't you talk to my wife the same thing you're telling me I just called her up I said tell me what God told you and God told her the same thing he told me and I don't know where this is leading I don't know I, I don't know how this is all working out God knows it's like the man of God preached today God's going to put it all together but I felt like God said you give everything and so you know what <clears throat> I'm selling I put my house up for sale this week Bishop and I'm giving it to the kingdom of God I'm giving it to the kingdom of God the housing market is incredible right now in Florida we bought when it was prices were good and I'm I, I believe I believe what I am preaching down to my toes I believe what God I believe in what God is doing in this house. And I'm I'm an empty vessel. I'm a willing vessel. The house belongs to God. He didn't give it to me to hold on to. It's just his stuff. And so you know what? God is it's yours. And I, I'm not saying that for anybody else to sell your house. I'm just telling you what God told me and First Lady to do this morning. And I want us to lift our hands because all over this house, God is speaking to us as a church. God sent this man to speak to us as a church. And we've, we've, we cannot afford to leave this house with the same posture that we walked in this morning. I want us to lift our hands right now. Come on. Somebody tap into the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody tap into the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. Yes, Jesus. Woo! Yes, Jesus. Come on, yes, Jesus. Come on in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody lift up your hands. Can you see it in the Holy Ghost? Can you see it in the Holy Ghost? God, I see it. God, I see it. Come on, somebody right now, somebody right now. Come on, God's calling us, somebody right now. Come on, if you need God to do something in your life, I want you to lift your hands right now. If you need God to work something in your life, lift your hands. He's here right now. Church, I need you to help me pray right now. Come on. Come on, I want you to look all around you. There's people all over this church praying right now. Come on, there's people all over this church praying right now. Come on, if you need a breakthrough in your life, it's here right now. If you need a breakthrough in your family, it's here right now, right now, right now. Come on, whatever you need, it's here right now. It's here right now. It's here right now. It's here right now. Hey, yes, Jesus. Come on, yes, Jesus. There's deliverance in this place right now. There's victory in this place right now. Come on, that's it, sir. 
That's it, sir. Surrender to God. I give it all to you right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is falling right now. Come on, there's breakthrough happening all over this altar right now. Come on, there's a breakthrough happening all over this altar right now, right now, right now. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, come on. Come on, here I am, God. Church, help me pray. Come on. All over this altar. Come on, there's a breakthrough happening all over this altar. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I need you. I need you. Come on.
yes. Yes to your will, God. Yes to your will, God. Yes to your will. I need some men to help me pray right here.